to Spinning the Reel, the best of Evan and Cody. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I'm one of your hosts, Evan. And I'm the other host, Cody. That's right. This is episode 12. We're recording on uh, December 30th. It's the end of the year, and you know what that means, Cody? Best of the year, baby. Best of the year, baby. We're, uh, we're talking about our, our top 10 films of the year. We're talking about the year in film. It's a lot of fun. We get to talk about movies that we really loved a lot, and a lot of them are available for, for people to watch right now, so... I'm just glad we're back, man. You know, we missed last week because of Christmas. Hope you all had a good Christmas, of yeah, course. Yeah, Christmas and technical difficulties. Yeah, technical difficulties. So we'll be back uh, next week to talk about Star Wars. Which we were going to talk about. We had a good episode recorded. We and, did. And then the, the tech goblins came and gobbled it up, <laughs> and it was uh, it was no good. We had a great quiz, but we're going to sort it out and uh, get that content out to you guys soon as we can so go see the new star wars film if you haven't or seen don't. it or yeah or do i guess little uh well let's just say it didn't make any of our uh, top tens. <laughs> but yeah we'll talk star wars so yeah and in the meantime enjoy our uh best of the year episode Cody it's the end of the year 2019 is over it came it went so fast the end of the decade but we're not here to talk about the end of the decade we're here to talk about the end of the year let's do it and we're talking about the year in movies oh yeah 2019 so this was a big year for you with regards to movies how many did you end up seeing on my list is 51 movies but you also saw movies before that I did see just one before that uh before theaters Honestly, I think it was just Endgame. Just Endgame. We just talked about that. It was you like, hey, was Endgame on your list? Man, put Endgame on your list. I'll put it on my list, but it's not my top ten, so I guess we don't really have to talk about it. Okay, good. Yeah, so I mean, that's a big jump for you. The number of movies you saw. You oh, said huge how jump. many? Fifty-one. Yeah, fifty-one. Yeah, and then there's, I mean, probably a few in there that were also not on my 2019 list. So right. All in all, maybe about sixty, sixty-five. I'd say. How's that experience been for you? You feel like you have changed it all grown <laughs> it all in, in uh, all these movies yeah i mean or is it I, just a thing to do it's a thing to do i you know i of course still watch tv here and there but not as much uh, i just don't really i don't want to say i don't have the time for it but yeah i guess just just doing this podcast and you telling me to get the amc pass is kind of just like you know what i'd rather spend my time going to see a movie it's just as you know time consuming as maybe binge watching a whole netflix show or something uh TV a little based. bit less a little bit less even yeah. and I, I they're probably more enjoyable to be honest with you yeah um so but yeah well i'm interested in this because for me i got a movie pass back in 2017 and so i was sort of where you are now yeah a couple years ago and just kind be- of getting into things seeing some things i wouldn't have seen in theaters and i'm, I'm sort of curious what you thought of 
the year in movies are the movies that you loved the ones that you thought you would going into them or have you been surprised like yeah what, so percentage of films been? percentage of films that i probably see on a yearly basis before i got the amc pass was really just blockbuster hits mm-hmm. whether it's disney uh marvel all that right. stuff right it's just the big box office hits uh frozen 2 i probably would have seen regardless again disney thing um so really i probably would see maybe one movie a month if that if i'm being honest with myself yeah i probably saw maybe five films a year like seems three years prior yeah um, and so this is a huge jump and, you know, a lot of films that I liked at the beginning of just doing this podcast weren't, you know, what I thought would be my favorite are not my favorite films. And when we get through the top 10, I could definitely go into are detail. Are you telling me the Lion King isn't in your top the 10? The Lion King is not even close oh my to my God, top 10. <laughs> I know that's a shocker. Cause you know, I'm the Disney boy. But yeah, there, it, it is is well I'm overwhelming. Cut that out, and we're gonna use it as a soundbite. <laughs> I'm a Disney boy. <laughs> I'm a Disney boy. Um, but yeah, like my top ten when we go through it, I think I have besides Toy Story four. That's it. That's my only Pixar Disney film in You're my surprised top ten. By that? I am surprised by that. Yeah, because like I said, I really love those kind of movies. Um, but having the AMC pass, it kind of puts a turn on that um, because you go and see films that you wouldn't necessarily see. Uh, even ones that you recommended, like I was really hesitant to go see The Farewell was the first one, mm-hmm. super hesitant to go see that. Uh, Parasite, not as much because I did see The Farewell, but still like, you know, I would never be excited or probably even know about it if I wasn't sitting in the theaters going through the same previews or new ones that popped up uh, during that time or even taking the time to like look on my, oh, what's coming out here in like the next, you know, mm-hmm. month or two. Like I never used to do that. And this time I kind of was like, what was I excited for? trailers for, for things coming and, out six months. Like, yeah. And I see trailers for like times. six months. You're like, I'm going to go see that still probably. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different experience for me from, you know, when I started about middle of obviously this year. So yeah, it's half been a year and like 50 it's something been a ride, movies. man. It's pretty good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing and we can transition sort of into the year in movies. We want to talk about how the year went relative maybe to other years, sort of our experience with it. But you jumped in at the right time because 2019 was sort of bifurcated in a weird way where the early part of the year, hardly anything good came out. You know, I mean, Endgame, for what it was, was a good movie. Um, And uh, Jordan Peele's Us came out early in the year. But really, when I'm looking over the best movies of the year, the top even half of my list a good, good majority of those movies have come out in the last half of the year. So you hopped in at a good time. I'm, I'm wondering what you think generally of like this year in movies. Have you felt like you've seen a lot of good things? Like, do you think that it's been, um, would you call it a good year for movies? Yeah, I think especially with the streaming too, uh, just throwing that back in there. I mean, there was a lot of good films that came out of that. So there was a lot of movies, especially at the later half of this year, like you said, mm-hmm. that came out that were definitely like top of the top for this year. And potentially, I mean, it is the end of the decade. You could even argue the end of the decade kind of stuff. Um, but my biggest standout for this year, just talking about movies too, was uh, there was a question on here that you put on the doc that I wanted to just bring up. What kind of films or genres were you like surprised by? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned us. I would say horror was my biggest outtake of this entire year. Yeah. Um, I, I looked through my list again and, you know, in the top half of my list, I think is four or five horror films. And I think that was the biggest standout because usually I'm a little B-I-T-C-H when it comes to that stuff. I don't want to go see it. Yeah. I don't, you know, I never cared for it. And that will completely change 
coming next year. Like I'm actually like excited. Ooh, are we to gonna see... go see Saint Maud? <laughs> Saint Maud. I think uh, what was it? The uh, A Quiet Place Two comes out. Yeah, I want to catch up with that. Too. So I mean, there'll be some things. Horror for a treat. A Quiet Place is good. So um, yeah, but I that, that's my biggest standout. I would say. Yeah, is horror films. And if anyone is interested, we did a whole episode when we talked we about did. Parasite. We talked about horror films as well. Just funny because Parasite's not really a horror film, but I think it gets sort of misunderstood horror films because I had the same sort of feeling about it, like that where I'm at right did, now. Yeah, where it's you know I don't want to go and see like The Nun or Annabelle or whatever because those movies are just really they're just popcorn movies that's that are there to throw jump scares at you and stuff. But when done right and when put in the hands of a really great director horror can be such an elevated experience it can be uh such a sensational version of really intimate stories and i think it's cool that you're you're getting to experience some of that now when it's something that you maybe wouldn't have before yeah and then just kind of jumping on that popcorn like flick and now we Mm -hmm. kind of just kind of summing it up here all those popcorn flick movies you know like we've kind of mentioned and when we go through our list here shortly um just they're not top 10 worthy and yeah. that's like the biggest take I think I've had out of this year. When I'm looking at my list, I'm like, you know what? All those movies, you know, all those Disney films that we've argued about that I still love, um, that still pull on those emotional kind of strings that I enjoy, they just weren't. They weren't as good as definitely some They're other not films ones that stick in your mind. Yeah, they aren't. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to go over my top ten and your top ten and how a lot of those uh, movies that made my list were because of those emotional strings that I didn't necessarily expect because I probably wouldn't go see about half of those. Uh, Actually, besides Toy Story four, I don't know if any of those, ex- maybe the Netflix ones, uh, yeah, Marriage Story would have been on there. Watched, like, yeah. yeah, but about six and at least half of that list, I would not have gone and seen in theaters um, to be on this list currently. So it is an interesting take that we will be having. So what you're saying is, go see more movies, people. Go, go see, see more, more movies. movies that aren't um, big studio blockbusters. Yeah. All right. Well, let's transition here into our list. And we're, we're going to start with some honorable mentions. So we kind of took this very loosely. We have our own sort of interpretations, but you want to give a few films that uh, didn't quite make your list, but made an impression on you? Yeah, the two films that I'd like to just shout out that were honorable mentions uh, this year is pretty much Shia LaBeouf and his two films that came out, The Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, both just, again, pulling on those emotional uh, heartstrings. I know Shia LaBeouf gets a bad rap all the time kind of for where he kind of transitioned from his Disney days, young Disney days, into that little kind of lost period. Um, I think he's a good actor. And I enjoyed both of those films very much. Not top 10 worthy, but still very, very good films. He was very good in both of them, and I definitely enjoyed my time seeing both of those. So Yeah, those are, at least The Peanut Butter Falcon is a movie that you can kind of sit down with the whole family and just watch uh, on a movie night or whatever. Honey Boy is a little... Um, a little bit more dense for rougher sure. around yeah. the edges i guess i mean it's a very well-made film but maybe not one that you want to watch with your whole family maybe you do i don't know uh i have a few as well that i want to bring it on out. yeah so what i did here with the honorable mentions is i wanted to highlight some films that maybe were a little bit underseen and that you can go watch right now so i mean as good as once upon a time in hollywood is which is very close to making my list uh, I wanted to pick something that maybe people didn't see. So first one, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's a movie about a um, a guy who wants to reclaim his family home. Um, he's had to move out as San, San Francisco is gentrified, and he uh, 
wants to move back in. It's really good. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it right now. Um, another one, Little Woods, which uh, has um, – it's basically about these sisters, and one of them is uh, smuggling drugs from Canada, but, but like prescription drugs. And she started doing it uh, – she's played by Tessa Thompson to save her mom uh, or at least to help her mom because her mom was sick. And they couldn't afford their medication. So it's kind of a timely movie with like all the healthcare stuff going on. But it's also just sort of like a little bit of like a Western thriller kind of thing, too. Uh, really good movie. Pretty sure nobody saw that. It's on <laughs> Hulu right now, though, and it's it's really good. Um, let's see, got three more here Her Smell, which has uh, Elizabeth Moss from uh, Mad Men. And she plays like this um, aging punk rocker, and she's just like, off the walls like she's bouncing around it's one of the best performances of the year uh she's like just this crazy crazy person and the first i would say two-thirds of this movie are very very difficult to get through they are um very unsettling sort of in the way that uncut gems is or midsommar but then shout out to those films yeah those are good too and then it flips and, and it sort of lightens up and it, it rewards you for sitting through that early portion Really good movie. Um, some good music in it, too. That one is on uh, Canopy, if anyone has that. Um, basically what it is, it's a library streaming service. So you sign up with your library card, and you can watch 10 free movies a, a month. If um, It's absolutely free. So if anyone doesn't have Canopy, go get Canopy. Cause or get a library card, then go get Canopy. That's the order of operations, <laughs> yes. So that's where you can watch Her Smell uh let's see transit was another movie that i saw early in the year that just kind of blew me away really close to making uh my top 10 i think it was 13 or 14 and it's basically the story of people fleeing nazi germany uh or nazi occupied france as well but it's set modern day so it's basically the story from nazi germany but everything around it like there's cars driving around like modern cars and like Mm. airplanes in the sky like they don't do anything to dress it up as a historic tale it's just uh, all set currently it's really fascinating to watch really really good movie uh that one's on amazon prime and then i have one more cody what is it it's high life which this one i can see being um hit or miss for uh for certain people it is a uh a space drama um by a prominent french um director it's an english language movie it's got robert pattinson in it and it's basically about this group of convicts who were sentenced to life in prison for whatever reason who volunteer to go on a space mission to go basically be shot out into space with uh, no hope of ever returning so it's sort of this story of what happens when all of these prisoners are on this ship hurtling out into the vast nothingness no hope of returning and what happens and it's really fascinating it's kind of uh slow and uh contemplative but if you have the time for it i would i would recommend that one that one is on uh canopy as well it's also on amazon prime so those are the ones i'd say to check out yeah uh, the only one i actually even heard of was the last black man in san francisco so yeah. even this guy who's still seen 51 films this year, has not even heard of the other four. Well, there you go. There's there's but five movies that you Eric, can go yeah, check out, Cody. Add to my list. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's talk about the top ten. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start. We're going to alternate going um, from 
10 to 1. If uh, any of our picks overlap, we're going to save them for whoever has it highest, and then we'll talk about it then. So why don't we start with you, Cody? We're going to talk about your number 10 movie, and it's Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it made my list, man. It, it almost didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. I contemplated it, but like I said, for an origin story, all that kind of stuff, for what, you know, that whole dc comic is and everything i just yeah. i really enjoyed it i really loved uh the performances of course in that with uh um joaquin phoenix and just it was still an enjoyable movie i know there's a lot of controversy and i think the biggest thing here is just whether i mean we've controversy the whole time on this film uh through all our podcasts starting yes. with episode one but just the fact that it is such a movie that's talked about and seen by so many i you know i just i i don't think i just couldn't leave it out ultimately yeah. for that reason well, and what stuff. do you think about it made it stick in your mind for i mean we saw that that was one of the earlier the, movies we saw yeah when, it was one of the past. earlier and i just like it i mean joaquin phoenix's performance again was just mm -hmm. his physical appearance which you've touched on like being in that physical like realm is really like big to the academy and stuff and not only that like it did get to me yeah. with how skinny and stuff and all he that was he was definitely got. bony yeah that movie um and I know it's kind of one of those movies that is definitely hit or miss um, just from that standpoint of more so <sighs> trying to find a good way to like explain this that I'd like to explain this. It's okay. Just, it was just think about it. I mean, like I said, this is the performance. I mean, my biggest thing why this is still in the top 10 was just I really liked having an origin story for the Joker. Yeah. You see all these DC movies, you see all these Batman movies specifically, and it's like you really never get anything with the Joker. And there's a lot of people who have played the Joker in the past, and, you know, we've touched on it as well. And yeah. it's like they're all big name people who have played the Joker, and most people have been pretty happy with almost every single one who's performed a Joker. Um, so just yeah, it's a good role if you're an actor. <laughs> you get to kind of be off. So the walls I mean, a it's bit. definitely a sought after kind of you know role, and it's not necessarily easy to play that kind of role. Yeah. And so you know, just kudos to the entire film, and you know, everyone kind of wanted to see it. Maybe not at first, but eventually everyone got caught on and heard of it, and just like he had something to talk about. Yeah. So well, you know, I promise not to trash Joker on your list, and I won't. It's uh, not a movie that worked for me, but. I can see, I, I mean, obviously Joaquin Phoenix is really good in it, and I can sort of see the the bits and pieces that people enjoy about it, but it's just one of those things that didn't come all together for me, but um, it resonated with people, so. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm sure there's going to be movies on our list that people are like, how did this even make your guys' both top 10, so who knows? Are you thinking of a specific movie? Yeah. I feel like you might be. Yeah, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go over to my number 10, which is uh, a movie called For Sama. And I know this is on your list of things to catch up with. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get around to seeing it. Uh, I only heard really good things about it. Yeah. So we should say as well that Joker is uh, now available if you want to buy or rent it. If you haven't seen Joker, I don't know who hasn't seen Joker, though. Yeah, seems like surprised. everyone that wants to see Joker. Anyone listening to this podcast Joker. has probably seen Joker. Probably. They wouldn't be seeking this out otherwise. But yeah, anyway, back to For Sama because it's um, it's serious like Joker, but in a totally different way. It is a documentary, which I always like to try and get a documentary on my list. Last year I had Minding the Gap, which uh, was my number two movie of last year. It was a really good documentary. But this year For Sama has taken uh, a spot on the top ten. And it's really, really good, man. It's um, about the war in Syria, and you sort of can see it develop from just before uh, the protests began in, in Aleppo, 
and then all the way through this whole war until like a couple years ago and it's it's all filmed by the director her name is i'm gonna butcher this but it's wad al katiab and uh it's just it's really powerful because they she and her husband run a hospital and it's the last hospital in aleppo as it's under siege and you just see all of these people who have been either hurt or killed by this war by this uh, uprising for freedom that these people are fighting for and still despite all of the carnage that they see on a day-to-day basis despite having their own little girl they still get up every day and they they still fight because that's how much freedom means to them and i think it's really an important movie to see because all of that the the war in syria it seems so far away to us and the only time we ever really discuss it is when we're having debates about refugees and stuff and and that happens in the u.s that happens in in the great britain that happens pretty much in all of the developed world and it can be sort of disconnected as people are just sitting in their big boardrooms and whatnot and talking about oh this is how many refugees we're going to take in and, and and put out or whatever and uh what you see with something like Forsama is just like the absolute horrors that these people are going through on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's really humanizing. It's really important to see that kind of thing, to, uh, to understand exactly just how brutal the dictatorship in Syria is and just how brutal it is for the people living there. It's something, it's a movie that has images in it that I can't get out of my head. Like it's one of those things that, since I've seen it, I haven't stopped thinking about it. And I'll give a warning to anyone seeking it out. It's not an easy watch. There is a lot of pretty gruesome stuff in that movie. But it is available to anyone that wants to see it on the uh, PBS uh, video app. Yeah. So you can watch it. It's like an hour and a half. It's it's worth your time if it's something that, that you can stomach. Yeah, I have, a, we have a, I have a buddy who actually can't even go home because of that war. So yeah. it definitely, you know, he's talked about it a little bit. And I know it affects people. And like you just kind of said, on a daily, day-to-day basis, a lot of people just don't think about it. And if they do, it's like a refugee and all they think about is another head that's going to, you know, enter the country or whatever. Right. And it, it, it can be hard to stomach because you don't know exactly what everyone's going through. And, you know, we take all these things for granted and it's, you know. Yeah. It is hard. <laughs> so yeah, I can only no, imagine it's, it's probably it's a hard film to stomach. Uh, a huge, empathetic movie. You, uh, I recommend checking it out, and for you too, Cody. Yeah. Since you haven't no, seen I want to. I I told myself I was going to see it. I just never got around to it just yet. All right, so, so we're gonna we're gonna jump over to your number nine now, and that is Jojo Rabbit. Tell us Jojo about Jojo Rabbit. Rabbit. Man, I was just, I loved it. Man, it was good. Obviously, it's in my top ten. Um. Jojo was, it's one of those ones that where it's, I, again, one of those, I guess, history era things. I mean, Forsama's obviously a documentary and it's real. Yeah. Uh, this one, of course, was real, but with the spin, it was a satire. It was basically joking about, you know, Nazi Germany and all that kind of stuff. And having this boy grow up through this, you know, era of basically realizing like, wow, like, you know, you look back in history and go, what a like effed up period that kind of was and how effed up Germany kind of was yeah. for just a whole race of people. Um, but the satire that uh, uh, Taika Waititi put on this was just, it was really good. Like, it was definitely, like, I think it's one of those films that can be hit or miss as well. Yeah. Um, people might interpret it the wrong way. I personally just interpreted for, 
really for me like it was a comedy i mean it was a satire so it was definitely like laughable and stuff and not laughing at the sake of of course how they treated people back then but Mm -hmm. just really like you know you look back in moments in history and that is a moment in history you just look back on and you you just see how like i said effed up it was and i don't want to say it's good to laugh about that stuff but you know it needs to be told i guess and i just like the way he kind of went about telling this kind of story um and then the performances in it of course uh with the, I don't know their names off the top of my head, but the two kids. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, one of them is Thomas and Mackenzie. The yeah, other one and has a three-part name that yeah. I don't want to... A little bit harder to pronounce. I'll, I'll look it up. No, it's not harder to pronounce. I but, just don't want to like yeah. get it wrong. But she was really good, of course. The Obviously, the Jewish girl. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, it's, it's nice seeing her. Scarlett Johansson is really good. At yeah, it was nice seeing a different role from her. Of course, we always know her as Widow um, through pretty much the past couple of years, of course, with her being in all the Avenger ga- uh, movies. Roman so, Griffin Davis is the other Roman, guy. And, and he, he was great in yeah, it. Yeah, he was yeah. great in that too. And his friend was funny and stuff. So just all in all, like it was it was just a really funny, like good film and made you kind of think about that era in history just a little bit more than, you know, just dark and grimacing about it. So yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit was, I liked it too. It's not too far off of my top 10. I think it's in the top 20 maybe. But I I can see some of the problems people had with it. I can understand how it could be interpreted uh, as being maybe too sympathetic or too humanizing with some of the Nazi characters. But I I do think that Taika Waititi took the care to um, really try to make sure that he portrayed the brutality as along with the kind of ridiculousness that people actually believed that and honestly the ridiculousness that people still sort of believe some of those things that there are people out there so i personally like jojo rabbit a lot and it's in theater still i believe so go ahead theaters how about that so go check it out all right on to my number nine uh which is a movie we're going to talk about in a little bit so we won't get into it right now but that's toy story 4 Cody, you've got that on your list a little bit later, so we'll we'll get to it in a minute. Cool. All right, so your number eight is a movie that missed my list by one spot. One spot. One oh, spot. Tell man. us about Hustlers. Hustlers. J-Lo. Ugh. That's it? This was, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's all you not. got? That's all. <laughs> J-Lo, all right? Kudos to J-Lo. J-Lo was fire. Uh, J-Lo was fire. But all in all, this was a film I wasn't expecting, I guess, kind of had uh, pre-notions going in that this wasn't going to be like, ah, it's going to be a little kind of maybe chick flicky kind of thing or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, good at some parts. Like, I haven't seen J-Lo in a movie, but there's other chick flicks that she's done that... Uh, that's a theme that's going to come back up later, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is going to come back up later. But that I've enjoyed. And mm-hmm. then Constance Wu was... Uh, man, what was she in before that I really loved her in? Crazy Rich Asians? Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. I really liked that film, so that was another big reason for me to pull to go see that film. Um, and then just the like sisterhood of like, you know, what that profession entailed, obviously hustlers in the beginning was basically, um, a strip club, of course, and all that. And men during the era of basically being stockbrokers. No, it, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, I mean yes, the movie is about <laughs> a strip cl- or like strippers at a strip club yeah, and, and, and the but clientele it's like the, is, yeah, they're in New York and yeah, they're, they're in New York. A bunch so. of wall street guys show up there. there. This is like probably 2005, 2006, something yeah. like that before the crash and all yeah. that, which is kind of significant to the film, of course. Um, but the sisterlyhood that I don't think again, that you would see that was probably, you know, real to this day mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, like the, biggest scene that stands out for me in that film was when she was basically going to the roof constance Wu, her character who yeah. was 
learning to basically be a stripper to make her way to help her um, mother. And she's like, J-Lo's like, come here. And she just danced and like all that kind of stuff. And she has this big fur coat on. And she's like, let me take you under my wing. And she literally does. Like she sits like right underneath her and she keeps her warm while she's having her smoke and stuff. And it really just started from there and just, you know, their relationship with the both of them and then bringing in, I think it was uh, Kiki Palmer and I forget the blonde girl's name. Yeah, I love Kiki Palmer. Uh, (laughs) But like all four of them, you know, like having that like, you know, camaraderie, that sisterhood, it dropped off a little bit towards the middle, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. um, but not so much where like, I just, it like just the beginning half of that movie just really stuck out. And just cause it teared off just a little bit, doesn't like take away from like what that film still like possessed uh, with, you know, the friendships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was just a different take. I know you have a little bit of a take because of the whole, uh, uh, Wall Street kind of thing because you kind of work in that not on Wall Street but you work in a trade where you kind of had your own like personal uh, opinion on that so oh, yeah, I'm no, interested I've to just hear a every bit. every day yeah. at the strip club no I'm just kidding <laughs> um, no I do Whoa. have some thoughts about this this movie because it did it was really close um, a really great movie I saw late in the year uh, knocked it off at the last minute but one of the things there's a lot I liked about it. It's a ton of fun. Like, it, the movie's yeah. a blast, right? Like, there are so many just memorable scenes in that movie. You pointed out the the coat one is great. When J-Lo's, um, has the, uh, is at the ATM, and then... Um, oh, yeah, drop the like, money. Like, drops the money. Yeah. good shot. Great, great scene. Even when she's teaching Constance Wu, like, the basics of, like, pole dancing, it's, it's such an, like, almost poetic scene. It's really... A lot of fun and it's bright and it's not like at night when people are there it's it's really striking visually i think uh the reason that i really love this movie is it is one of the most incisive films i've ever seen about the 2008 crash about how the real victims of the 2008 crash weren't the wall street guys they weren't the big banks they weren't those are those people all ended up okay, right? They all recovered and yeah. everything, right? But it's working people, and it's it's people like the women in Hustlers that uh, suffered the consequences. You see how things were at the beginning of the movie, and how things sort of taper off uh, later on with uh, with the strip club and everything. And that didn't just happen in strip clubs; that happened in restaurants, and that happened across the United States. And working class people suffered the brunt of the economic meltdown and i think that hustlers portrays that in a really interesting and insightful way and that's when that's the reason it's number 11 on my list it's so (laughs) close to being yeah being in that 10 spot but really really good film yeah and that's also available to buy or rent today so highly recommend that as well heck yeah man all right my we're on number eight is also a film that's going to come up in a little bit. It's uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, so we're going to talk about that in uh, just a moment as man, well. Man, this is just all me, man. I know. You, you might as well to, just get off the podcast. You get to go off with your number seven, another movie I love that missed my list by just a few spots. Tell us about Booksmart, Cody. Booksmart, man. So you recommended this to me after I think you yourself saw this, what, three oh, or I'd, four I'd times? I'd already seen it a couple times when yeah. we went to go see it. And this is kind of where... Uh, the podcast really started so that kind of struck a chord when i was looking at it i'm like you know this is kind of where it all started 
Was I, that your first movie with with uh, the with AMC the pass? pass? Yeah, it was my first film because um, I'd bought it. I think I saw one film before that. Detective Pikachu. I think we saw. Yeah, but it, yeah. Well, I didn't have the pass at that point yet. I, I think I bought it right after, and then this was the first film I saw with that pass. You're like, I need you to go see this movie. Like, we're gonna go see it. I'll see yeah. it again. And yeah. uh, you did, and we went together, and for that reason, it kind of hits home with that. But I mean, it was a really good movie too. Yeah. Um. Just it was it was funny, dude. Like. Not necessarily realistic, um, like the whole high school scene and the way certain characters played out. Sure. You'll watch it and be like, this would never really happen in real life kind of thing. Um, but it was just, for me, just so damn funny. Mm-hmm. And every scene, I just, I ha- I couldn't help but have like a smirk on my face. And for that reason, it's just like, man, if I can't lose a smirk throughout the entire movie and all the jokes just hit for me and stuff, like, why does this not deserve to be in my top 10? Yeah. Um, and it was really well directed. There were some shots in there that were really, like, well done. And um, I like having the, uh, you know, she's, you know, I mean, the whole contemplating, like, who they are and stuff, not only as friends, but mm-hmm. like, as it progressed and stuff. I mean, all in all, just, you know, again, the whole friendship thing is a good, I I like those kind of things, of course, in movies, like seeing the friendships develop um, and then them growing as individuals, of course, and no better time to grow as an individual, I guess, than in high school. Yeah. When you're trying to find yourself. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of value in this movie, too. And but I mean, my biggest thing is just, like I said, from grin, you know, cheek to cheek. And it's just it really just struck that, you know, comedy chord for me. And, you know, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's in my top 10. I mean, I think the greatest compliment I can pay this movie is the fact that I've seen it seven times <laughs> and it just came out like in the summer. So yeah. it's one of those movies that is just so, it, like you said, it's so funny. Uh, I'm, I've am i been showing it to people and that's why I've seen it so many times. Uh, it's one of those things that just like anybody can get behind it. It's like, it's a great movie. And you mentioned some great shots, like that whole scene at the party, the one take from the pool to the to the living room to- Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it's it's just really really well done, and it's rare that you see sort of a like a high school comedy that's also so beautifully shot and put together. It's a it's a brilliant movie. Yeah. So, and that's streaming right now on Hulu. So definitely no reason to not check that one out. You don't even have to leave your house. Yeah, you just have to have Hulu. All right, finally, Cody, I get to go again. Oh, We're going to talk about I Lost My Body. Okay. And we don't need to get too heavy into it because we did mention it on um, Our Netflix, Netflix Spectacular. Podcast. Yeah, the Netflix Spectacular. That's right. But this is a movie that I was really highly anticipating out of the festivals. It gotten some good reviews. And when I saw it, at first it was a little bit jarring. You know, it's a hand crawling across a, a city and you think like what is going on here but the more i thought about it the more i sat with it uh, kind of toy story 4 was like this for me as well but the more that i considered the movie and and really thought about what it was doing the more it just sort of like had a grip on my on my mind like it was such a sort of tragic melancholic but also somewhat hopeful bit of filmmaking i mean it's just one of those things that you know like it just struck me how this character was so basically helpless this entire film right all of these things kept happening to him and everything was just sort of out of his control but then by the end of it you know the hand gets back and it, it's helping him and it's just so sort of hopeful that you know what maybe this guy's going to be okay and and that resonated with me because i think 
it's a time with movies where we sort of want to go and and be sort of angry or be sort of like upset and and a lot of movies this year have been that way where it's people are frustrated with the the state of the world right now it's why we've got so many movies that are great this year uh, like hustlers about economic anxiety and things like that and the thing i thought that was really brilliant and why i lost my body has stuck with me over these last couple months since i saw it is that it does tap into that sort of despair that things are shitty and we can't really do anything about it like that's it's out of our reach to fix these things but yet it's still hopeful that if we keep trying and if we put ourselves out there and we we make that leap of faith that good things can still happen that that we can still come out of the other side well and i thought that it was that perfect combination of despair but also hope and for that reason i think i lost my body is one of my favorite animated movies I've seen in a long time and, and one of the best movies of the year. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen this film if you didn't recommend it to me. I know it was there on Netflix, but, you know, just like anything else, you kind of you see it, but you kind of just skip over it, I think. Right. Um, just because you're unfamiliar with it, you haven't heard of it. Uh, and you told me to watch it in French, and I will throw that out there because I think it does make a difference. Um, there's not a lot of words, I think, to be said in this whole film, all in all. For not the duration. Yeah, it's for the not duration. It's a very verbose film. Yeah. And regardless, like you said, everything you kind of just hit on, it's 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 crazy because this was really close to my top 10 too. Mm-hmm. actually looking at my list. Um, but it's yeah, it's crazy to have those kind of feelings, the kind of, you know, hope, despair and all that with so little being said. Like, how do you think this would work with just a hand crawling across, you right. know, you know, Paris and it's just it works. And the biggest thing give that know, hand an Oscar. Yeah. And the segue just into the next one is for me, it, it just felt like a very long Pixar film. Right. So, so and I love that. Stuff, let's so. say that you can watch uh, <laughs> because it's true. You can watch I Lost My Body on Netflix right yeah. now. And we recommend you do it because it's great. And we're going to jump over to your number six, Cody, which was my number eight uh, or nine. Sorry, number nine. Uh, Toy Story 4. So it's higher on your list. I'll let you go for it. Yeah. So for this one for me, I absolutely adore Pixar films. I've seen every one. I have all of them ranked right now currently on my letterbox. I'll probably rewatch them all just to re-iterate like, my ranking just to make sure like that's where yeah. they should all sit. Uh, and Toy Story 4 finished pretty high. Of course, Pixar started with Toy Story, I believe. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, I think that was the first film uh, of Pixar it was, was Toy yeah. Story itself. Great and movie. to have that franchise continue through all these years, 20 plus years, and to have it finish the way it finished in Toy Story 4, having that, you know, story of, you know, not only Woody and Buzz's friendship, of course, but the way in Toy Story 4 that Woody ended up with where he started with Andy, of course, and yeah. really being what was a lost toy, but not lost at all. Like he mm-hmm. had found himself through being lost, which is so like... It's just like a crazy feeling. And I think the feels for this one in particular is why Toy Story 4, I think, is my favorite. Is, again, the all-emotional kind of heartstring. And I just want to pull That's gonna on That's going to be our, our podcast tagline. Is, yeah. Is Toy Story 4 is the best Toy Story. <laughs> it's the thing we agree on. But, yeah, I mean, as, and as we get farther up the list, too, a lot of this is just the emotional roller coaster. Like I said, those are the films that move me. Those mm-hmm. are the films that I think are really good outside of just performances is the story that they can tell. And I think just... The way Toy Story 4 kind of summed up this entire franchise of, you know, Tim Allen obviously playing uh, Buzz and then uh, Tom Hanks playing Woody. 
I mean, they were even emotional about it. I saw a lot of like interviews. I even like wanted to know a little bit more. Like they were kind of devastated that it was over and stuff. And it's just like when you can have like a little bit of like that mini franchise of Pixar that can continue for so long, like you can't help but say kudos to you guys. Like you guys yeah. definitely made a movement. Like I think if anyone was to say, hey, what's your favorite Pixar film? I'm sure there's other ones that are better than Toy Story, I would argue. Um, but I think Toy Story is the biggest one that comes to mind. Right. Um, and for that reason, I, you know, again, can't help but that iconic. ends up on my list. Yeah, it's very iconic. Yeah. This is another movie I saw a lot. I saw it three times in theaters, and I I kind of want to buy it. I kind of want to buy the whole box set for Toy Story, but also I know it's going to be on Disney Plus in, in a couple <laughs> months, so I haven't yet. But it's one I'm eager to go back to again, and it's a, it's a movie I wrote about at length back in August and this is one that grew on me with each viewing the first time I saw it it was sort of uh, the the consensus opinion I want to say where everyone's like why does this movie exist this franchise was supposed to be over like why did they need to do this um, which I just I don't buy anymore after seeing it again it grew on me a little bit and then seeing it a third time it sort of all clicked into place what this movie was about at least in my mind um and that is it all revolves around the word again for me right and i i know i talk about politics a little bit on this show but if you look at it and this isn't even like a one side or the other thing like on one side it's make america great again and then on the other side it's biden saying things like we're gonna go back to the way things were eight years ago or four years ago or whatever and for me it just sort of resonated watching toy story 4 that that's what this franchise has always been about, right? It's always been about getting back to the place you were before, getting back to the place where you were comfortable. Toy Story is always about Woody getting lost and finding his way back to Andy, or Woody feeling lost and finding his way back to being important to a child again. And Toy Story 4 does something really clever by turning that idea on his head on its head with Bo Peep, right? She comes in and says look, Woody, there's a whole world out there ahead of you. And this is a movie where Woody's feeling uh, unimportant. He's feeling left out. He's feeling marginalized. Like, I think a lot of people feel marginalized by, again, you can get back into the economics of, of movies in, the, in this whole world, but I think it relates a little bit here. And everybody's sort of looking to go back to when they felt important, but the answer isn't in the past, and the answer's never in the past. The answer's in the future, and you have to go off in a new direction and for me, that, that is what Toy Story 4 is about. It's about Woody coming to the realization that there is nothing for him behind him, that he has a brighter future, and you see that in the, in the ending. To me, it's really powerful. I'll kind of stop there. This is a movie I've thought a lot, a lot, a lot about all year. It's one of, it's the best pick, uh, Toy Story for sure in my mind, and if you want to go a little deeper into my thinking on that, uh, I'll put the link to my review for Toy Story 4 in the blog or in the or in the episode description or whatever which can be found on your blog which can also be found on my blog way to way to shout out your blog well it's our blog technically you're right you, you rebranded it. it rebranding <laughs> spinning the reel 2020.com we're, we're rebranding here in 2020 but yeah i'm curious did you get any of that from Toy Story 4 do you see that at all? Or? The marginalizing thing a little bit now that you've uh, yeah. brought it up. You know, again, I don't go into as much depth or, you know, detail in terms of like kind of seeing these things, I guess, when I kind of see a film. Like I said, it's just more of the emotional factor for yeah. me. Yeah. 
Um, but I like having these conversations for sure, like where you kind of bring this stuff up and it makes you kind of, I resonate with it a little bit and, you know, I hear, I definitely hear you and, you know, there is truth behind it. So, yeah, I would say, uh, that people should revisit Toy Story 4 or if you haven't seen it at all, definitely see it for the first time. Go buy it or, uh, I guess get Disney plus and get ready for it to come out on Disney plus. Yeah. You can buy or rent it. Uh, it's on DVD or streaming or anything, but it'll probably be on Disney plus in like February. That's what the consensus seems to be. So not too far off. We're only like a month, a little over a month away. All right. Uh, so that was your number six. My number six is on your list yeah. uh, a little bit higher. So that's Marriage Story. We'll get back to that. Um, let's go to your number five, which is higher on my list. So actually, actually, it's in the same spot. Wow. Look at that. Look at us. Number, Total agreement. Number five. Number five. Look the at Farewell. Us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> the Farewell is really good yeah tell us why cody i just talked a lot about toy story 4 yeah this one this was another movie this was actually when i first got the amc pass as well Mm -hmm. and you're like you're gonna go see this movie again and i was just like foreign film um the whole um subtitle thing never really resonated with me and never turned me on i wasn't like you know if i'm gonna go enjoy a film i don't want to have to worry about reading it because then i feel like i'm gonna miss something uh, I've watched anime in the past and stuff, and I've I've dealt with subtitles and stuff, but you know, just in particular for a movie, I'm just like this isn't this isn't something I want to see. And, and then the story, I didn't really know that much about it either going in. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I did fall asleep for about two minutes. It was a long day at work, and you had to nudge me up. But that doesn't take away from the fact that this was a very emotional movie. <laughs> um, you know. Um, What's her name? Lulu Wang was very, very good in this film. Uh, Lulu Wang's the director. Aquafina. Aquafina, I'm sorry. Really Why good. did I think Lulu Wang? Yeah, Aquafina was really good. I saw her too, also with the Crazy Rich Asian, which once I saw that, I was like, okay, I could see this. Like, she was funny as the best friend, of course. Um, and for me, it was that whole, like, how do you go through a fit? Like, the emotional struggle to know that a loved one is dying. Mm-hmm. And in this film in particular, just for a little bit of background knowledge for anyone, you know, what is this about is pretty much in their culture, they can't tell their grandma that she has cancer because, you know, they don't want to ruin what, you know, life she has life left, she has left yeah. by worrying about the cancer. And so they make a conscious decision for the whole family to go visit her by faking a wedding um, so that they can all go see her what they presume is one last time Mm -hmm. and just the family struggles to have to deal with that. Not just only for constant Wu to have to deal. I mean, she had the closest connection. Aquafina. Did I say constant? You did. My bad. Aquafina to have that connection with, uh, her grandma was probably of course the strongest. That was the two of them. Yeah. But having everyone else deal with it. Shout out to Nai Nai too. Uh, Zhao Shuzhen. Zhao Shuzhen. Yeah. So good in it as Nai Nai. The grandma. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. And you shouted that out, too, in one of our last episodes, too. Well, I shouted out again because yeah, she rules. She, was, she ruled. But, yeah, it's just the, you know, the family struggles. Like, everyone has their differences, of course, in a family, and that's never going to go away. You're not always going to see eye to eye, whether it's, you know, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, what you're really close related to, or even, you know, in this one, there's cousins and stuff, such as, you know, ourselves. Yeah. You're never going to see eye to eye, but sometimes it's, it's so minuscule the things you might fight about or whatever when you really get to these drastic moments in life. Mm-hmm. In this case, the grandma dying and everyone's dealt, I think, at this point in their lives probably with some type of loss, whether it's someone really close to you or you know, someone at least you knew of. And sure. it always hits someone a little bit harder than others. 
depending on the situation you're in, but you're always affected by it. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you reevaluate a situation of the stupid things you might have fought over and how it's so insignificant. And that's kind of where it really struck that chord with me yeah um, the most with this movie and nothing was taken away by the fact that it wasn't obviously english or anything like that this film was really really well directed and yeah. all the performances were really good yeah i mean you, you summed up a lot of it i think the balance that lulu wong finds in the humor of it as well is really interesting because it is a funny movie at the same time it's a very sort of depressing movie at times but it, it also kind of reminds you just of how like invigorating film can be at the same time because it can balance something so painful with the truly funny things that happen when families get together uh, especially for the first time in a long time Uh, that was really powerful for me this is another movie i've seen a couple times and uh i was just marveled I was marveling at it the first time we saw it. It was just so well-crafted. Aquafina is really, really good in capturing those emotions, but in watching it again, it struck me. So I'll I'll mention it, but Cody and I had just recently lost our uncle, and sort of... It's interesting when you see a lot of movies like that, the way that they sort of stick in your mind at times like that, but I've thought a lot about The Farewell in that experience as well. I don't know if it's something that you've thought about really at all. But, I would I would definitely like to revisit that movie, especially with what we've kind of dealt with. Yeah, of course, uh, and, and it's not the weeks. same. I mean, it's not like we were keeping his dying a secret from no. him or anything. Surprise. But, but it is that pain and that struggle of like trying to keep a brave face in front of the people that you love when you know that you're going to lose them. And for me, like that, I really it really resonated with me. Uh, the farewell in in rewatching it and, and sort of reevaluating it because. So much of that is this lived-in experience. This is sort of semi-autobiographical for Lulu Wong. And you can tell because the way all of these actors understand the vision that she has, the way that, that they portray it, and how everyone sort of deals with that grief in their own way, it, it all feels very lived-in. It feels very true. And, and to me, that's one of, why it's one of the more powerful movies of the year. Yeah. Very good film. All right. So that one was both of our number five. So we're going to go buy your rent. Hop over available. to, I guess we're doing yours first, right? So we'll go over to my number four, your number four, my number eight. We're so we're catching back. up here. Here we go. Um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Now we reviewed this one on the podcast, we so did. we don't need to get into depth about it too much, but why don't you tell us a little bit about why it has stuck with you? enough to make it your number four movie of the I, year. Kudos to Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I think almost anything and actually everything he's been in has been something that a lot of people will at least go see. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying love, but they'll probably go like, ah, Tom Hanks is in it. So having that factor. There's a baseline level of good. Yeah, and be. this movie I looked at like on Letterboxd too just to kind of really bring out, it really wasn't um, – advertised or anything like not a whole lot yeah the amount of like viewership compared like that people like rated and stuff like was really low compared to of course a lot of these films that are actually on our list yeah um so it kind of sucks it kind of got washed under a little bit too and another reason where i would highly recommend still going out and checking this movie out um and we've when we touched on it mr rogers uh he plays uh, mr rogers in this tom hanks yep he embodies a spirit that i think we all kind of wish we had more of I think a lot of us get, you know, 
you know, doom and gloom, you know, we're very, I don't want to say cynical, but you know, we don't always treat people the way, you know, I think we should, uh, myself included. There's, you know, times and situations where, you know, you're out for yourself and you're not really thinking about a person or you see someone acting a certain way and you're like, how, why? Like, you just don't know their story. And to not have what Mr. Rogers has embodied through um, his show and all that and that kind of spirit, it, it's so well embodied and captured by Tom Hanks. And there's scenes in that movie, uh, the biggest one that stands out to me, like I said, seeing it in theaters and him captivating that moment where I know Mr. Rogers, one of his big things is let's take 10 seconds, let's take 15 seconds, whatever, and have a moment or whatever. And there was that moment in that movie where, I mean, he's I like, think it was a full minute. Yeah. It was a full minute. He's like, let's be quiet for our loved ones. And again, this was during a time period um, where we've kind of us two, like we just mentioned, going through our, you know, loss of our uncle and stuff. Uh, and that's kind of where it hit with me, too, on this particular film at that time. It's just, you know, to take that minute because you don't really as short of a minute is or as quick, however you want to view a minute. It's just a fraction of time. Um, but to actually think of how long a minute is and how short at the same time, it's like, wait, it only takes a minute to really think about something or to help somebody or do something like that. And Tom Hanks just does it so well mm-hmm. and embodies that same type of spirit and just everything throughout that film of, you know, not necessarily him fixing someone that's broken, but having that, you know, take of, hey, like, you know, I'm not perfect either. And he wasn't, and you saw that, and it resonated at the very end when he plays, you know, great the piano. Yeah, yeah, very great scene at the very end. And just having that and still being able to embody that spirit is just, you know, you're never too boggled down in your own, you know, views and your own personal life to not be able, I guess, to cheer someone else up by doing something maybe so small as maybe smiling at someone or holding a door open yeah. or whatever. So. Just for those reasons, it's just I can't help but say that with his performance and who Mr. Rogers was and what he, pretty much what he embodies, and I wish more of the world embodied. I, you know, I want to see that more. So yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel in that movie, dude. No, it's and it's really good. And we talked quite a bit about Marielle Heller and how she's really good at capturing that sort of character as well. But there's one scene in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that I'm thinking about right now that sums up why this movie is so resonant with me this year as well. And that's the scene when they're coming out of the concert hall and um, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers is uh, taking pictures with kids, signing autographs, that sort of thing. And Matthew Rice's character, I can't remember his name right now, but he's the reporter, is talking to uh, Mr. Rogers' wife and just kind of offhand asks her what... Like, what's it like to be married to an angel? And she says something that I think really embodies this movie. And that is, oh, he doesn't like to be called an angel because that implies that he's sort of heaven sent for this. He he works really hard to be the way he is and to stay positive and stay in the mindset he does. He works really hard for it. And for me, that's, I think, the enduring message and lesson from A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I'm not necessarily one of those people that thinks that everything would be better if we all just got along, because I think we do have to disagree, and I think that some people do deserve to be called out for really horrible things they do. But I think that if we came to every situation with a little more empathy and understanding, we'd be in a better place. And if everyone came to situations with more empathy and understanding for other people, then there would be a lot less of that conflict in the first place. Um, 
And I think that's sort of the lesson. But the lesson is that it's really hard. Like it's not easy to put yourself in someone else's shoes and you have to work at it every day to do it. And that's one of the reasons I think this movie is really powerful in this moment right now because there is a lot of like, oh, we need Mr. Rogers so everyone can get along. But it's not really about that. It's more about try to be a better version of yourself and then maybe we'll be able to get there anyway. Great movie. I agree with you. Very good. it's still in theaters now to go check it out. Uh, yeah, it's still playing in some theaters. Yeah. And we should say that uh, The Farewell is available to rent or buy on most platforms. I don't think we mentioned that. Try to throw it in there when you were still talking. Maybe oh. they'll replay it. We'll All right. Well, it's, maybe it's in there somewhere, but now it's in there twice if it was. All right. All right. So we are doing number four. So my number four oh, something is different. not on your list. It's not on my list. This is, this is my Joker, if yeah. you will, the movie that I liked a lot that Cody didn't. That's Ad Astra. Uh, Space Dad. Dad Astra. Dad it's, Astra. Uh, it's really, really good. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to put my thoughts into words on this movie. But it's one I enjoyed a lot because it is about sort of the isolation that you feel and how you can deal with it. And so this is basically about a guy who's willing to go all the way to Neptune to um, – feel okay about himself to to get validation um he goes in search of his father but everywhere he goes he is nothing more than his father's son and for me that was just like a really powerful thing i think brad pitt in this movie is so so good um and and it's just a reflection on loneliness right and how we isolate ourselves from people because we're afraid to deal with the things that um that we don't want to acknowledge, you know, and Brad Pitt has a lot of that in this, like he has a lot of regret and he has a lot of self-esteem issues and he's trying to reconcile those with, you know, his experience growing up and his job and all this. And, and to me, it's just such a deeply felt movie. It's so introspective and you get such a portrait of a, of a person in crisis and that kind of thing always appeals to me in movies. I, I really enjoy seeing movies like that. Um, but also it's like got good action in it too. Like that space, uh, that that moon sequence where they're like riding moon rovers or whatever and getting shot at. Like it's really fun and like exciting. And there's a weird part with like monkeys in a spaceship that's sort of grim, but also like exciting and a little bit harrowing for me. For me, it's just one of the more uh, more powerful and like exciting things put out by studios this year. You have Agreed. no thoughts? Well, I didn't see the same film, I guess, as you. All the excitement that you said, they were it's very minuscule in the movie. Um, I feel like if you saw the trailer too, like that was my biggest like pet peeve was the trailer showed these action scenes and kind of stuff, and I thought it'd be a little bit, I guess, more adventurous if I was to say like one word. Uh, which wasn't the case. Maybe if I rewatch it, but for me, I was just, I, I didn't feel, I mean, I get that there's a sense of loneliness, but yeah. outside of that, it just felt like it was just so, I don't want to say dragged on. I, I know everything happened for a reason, but it just, it's uneventful for me to like thoroughly enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I guess I just don't have that perspective on film. Uh, and particularly this film, the way that you do. Yeah, it's uh, one I'm going to be revisiting. Yeah, for sure. and maybe if I rewatch it, there'll be a different take. Um, Brad Pitt, though, I, I do enjoy him again. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his performance in that was really good. This performance was, I don't want to say bad because I can't really, 
uh, it's so good man. <laughs> that, that sequence when he's yeah. talking to his dad through the through the microphone on mars is so, just like i was just uh, yeah i was just turned off though oof. i guess so maybe maybe a rewatch uh, you know i'll change but i'm sure i'll get the most backlash for that one yeah and where just, it is like on my the list. way it finishes too where i mean i won't get into spoiling it because this is a movie a lot of people haven't seen um but just the the conclusion that brad Pitt's character roy comes to at the end of the film after this long journey what he figures out after seeing his dad is i think one of the more powerful moments in film so check that one out it is uh, available to buy or rent right now i have a feeling this is going to end up on like hbo or something like this it just seems like that kind of movie um so with that we're going to jump to both of our shared number three hey you want to tell us what it is cody I can't believe I'm going to say this because I wouldn't have expected. This is the biggest surprise of the year for me personally. Biggest surprise. The surprise for me is that it's this low on my list. (laughs) Number three. So the surprise to me is that it made my top 10, I guess. But that movie will be Little Women. Little Women. Tell me to tell you and then you say it anyway. You were building too much tension. It's Little Women. I wanted to talk about Little Women. Little Women, man, was I. So I know Little Women's been made in the past. I know yeah, that for so a the, fact. There's a book called and Little Women, yeah. uh, by Louisa May Alcott that came out in like 1860 something, 1867 maybe. So it's been around. It's yeah. never been out of print. It's very yeah. popular. I actually brought it up the other day. I'm like, oh, my nan, my nan was actually over, and she's like, what did you see? I'm like, Little Women. She's like, I loved that movie back in the day. I want to see it now. So yeah, they made it in '94 with Winona Ryder. So. Yeah, and I think there was even one made before that. Yeah, and there's been a like, ton of adaptations. Yeah. So, but regardless, like it definitely like right off the bat is a chick flick. I mean, that's really the ultimate word to describe it when i went to the theaters i was the only guy in there i had to catch up you saw it on christmas and i did i saw it a few days after and i was like you know it's i know it's being nominated and stuff and with pretty much every other nominated movie i'm like i have to at least go see it right um and so when i walked in like yeah i was the only gentleman in there no shame like you know i'm not against chick flicks at all i actually you know enjoy my enjoy myself seeing it but this one like went beyond that for me like it's like the emotional roller coaster that this movie had was like I the women were crying at some points in the movie. You know, I you know because they were crying and I heard them like, man, I'm tearing up a little bit too. Like there were certain scenes that were very heartfelt because you Cody, grow with these it's characters. Okay if you cried. I, no I cried, man. You. Yeah, but like you you really, it's probably the biggest film where I really feel besides the next one on my list or the top three, I should say. Actually, not just the next one because we do have three left how like in it you are with those characters and this was one of those films for Mm -hmm. me this year is just how with it you were when they were on the screen like you felt a part of their family you felt like you were with them the entire ride the entire journey of you know where they were when they were littler and going back the seven years and then going forward the seven years like in this film and I think it's hard to do that I think there's very few films that really give you not the emotional roller coaster because a lot of films do um, but actually feeling like you're part of this story and the storytelling throughout this entire film was just, it was just spot on. There was no, I think, lost time. There was nothing that like didn't serve its purpose and every single performance in this was great. Um, but my biggest one was the one sister, uh, Amy, who played, was played by Florence Pugh. She was unexpected, dude. She was the best part of the film for me. I I think everyone, kudos to everyone in this film, by the way. I think everyone played a very, very uh, good role. 
Um, but I think she was like the dark horse for me, I guess, if I had to like pick one. Like her performance was it was funny, she was witty at times and just really gave you that emotional roller coaster that again I've come to enjoy when it comes to watching films and yeah. I, I really can't praise this movie and I'm I'm just I'm just surprised. I'm I gonna guess. see it again in theaters. So, <laughs> yeah. It was the biggest shock for me. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, like would you see half these films? I never in a million years would I think I would go, especially in theaters at least and see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, maybe one day it is a chick flick. Maybe, you know, I'm with the guys or my girl, you know, future girl or whatever. And it's just like, Hey, I want to see this. And I, I probably would. You but never ladies. Single. <laughs> he almost cried at a movie. Yeah. He's sensitive. So if you like the sensitive type. Um, but yeah, like I just, I never would have thought. And this movie just was so good. I know you have a lot more to say about it, oh, but I, 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 I was shocked. Great deal and of yeah, I was shocked. I was, I was moved. Super enjoyable. No problem with it at like whatsoever. Like this was a great film. So yeah, so many thoughts about Little Women. <laughs> Let's is, hear some of it them. It is a treasure. Uh, but I'm gonna start by pushing back a little bit on it being a chick flick. You know, All right. I think that things get labeled that, and it's not really fair because it's just a great movie, and it's a great movie for there's something for everyone in in Little Women, and just because it's called Little Women and it's about four sisters and it's something that appeals to women doesn't make it any less of a film for everyone too you know and it is a shame that you were the only guy in the theater and it's a shame that i was one of maybe four or five in like a packed house uh on christmas day to to see it so that that's a shame because the movie is so good and and, and like you said it has something to appeal uh to everyone um and it is emotional i I cried during it like i'm i'm not afraid to say that Uh, (laughs) but i i think to your other points as well, I want to kind of address some of the things you said. Uh, Florence Pugh is incredible in this. She's having such a great year. Uh, she's phenomenal in Midsommar. She is really good in fighting with my family, which was like a WWE movie, like totally the opposite of what she plays as Amy. Um, really great in that. She's going to be in the new Black Widow movie. Like it, she's just everything's coming together for Florence Pugh right now, and it it's pretty great because she's pretty great. Um, and she's the best part of the movie. Meryl Streep's also really funny in it, too. Like, the eye rolls she gives and stuff. Um, and then the other thing you mentioned, too, is that you sort of feel like you're a part of... You feel like these are real people, that you are with them. And I wanted to say that Greta Gerwig, the director, uh, has just an uncanny talent for this. We talked about it with uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and how Marielle Heller has this talent for expressing insecurity or exploring insecurity in film well what Greta Gerwig is so good at and what makes her film so powerful is she's able to take every single person in her script and make them feel real and lived in even if you haven't seen that whole experience it's one of the reasons Lady Bird is so good is that every and I mean we can't go a podcast without me talking about Lady Bird but every character in that even if they have five seconds of screen time feels like a genuine realized person and little women is that way too everyone in that movie feels real you understand their motivations you feel for that character and it's it's incredible that she can establish that for so many characters in a two-hour movie just insane um but that's not even to speak to how good the movie is as as a story and as a movie and what she does with it and it's a period piece it's a set in the 1800s during the civil war and 
it still feels modern in a certain way because it's really at, at its core it's not just the story of four sisters you know hanging out doing their thing right hanging out with the neighbors and having their adventures right it's about economic anxiety like we talked about a few times or at least i've talked about a few times with some of my favorite movies of the year that's been a common theme and and you hear it a lot from the women in this movie about how at the time who you married was such an essential piece of how your life went right because women had no way of making money they had no way of of earning their own life at that time and it's just this powerful story about money and how like it drove all of the decisions that are being made and that's sort of the same thing today even though you know women don't need to marry well to be successful anymore it's still a much bigger challenge for women to get ahead in the world than it is for men in a lot of things and especially in art as well like we talked about it i think before we started recording but not a lot of movies uh relatively speaking are made by women that get theatrically released and so I think Little Women has sort of a meta commentary on that where it's saying like Florence Pugh wants to be an artist, but she can't. She just has to marry well because she doesn't really have any viable opportunity to do that. So this is a movie that really reached me on that level too because it was about this economic anxiety for this family. And that's kind of all we'll say about it there because I, I think a lot of people still need to go see it. But everyone should go see it it's in theaters right now and it will be for at least a few more weeks uh maybe months go check it out all right we're on to number numbers two so we're gonna start with yours cody which is i think my number six and that's marriage story so i'll let you uh, talk about marriage story all right man just like i said with uh you know little women is in such a profound way to be able to connect with characters and not just the emotional roller coaster which marriage story possesses um but yeah the characters in this uh movie were uh adam driver who played charlie and uh scarlett johansson again making my top 10 uh she plays nicole and they're going through a divorce and you're like oh what like how good can a movie be you know just going through a divorce this movie, like I have, ne- this is actually the only movie in my, uh, I think my entire arsenal of films this year that I actually watched. Okay. I, you know, I'm not really one to like rewatch them like right away. Like I watched this one, I think like three days or two days later. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it so much, and actually, I think we we did obviously the podcast on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some things that you brought up that I wanted to revisit, uh, particularly Laura Dern, Laura Dern and, um, Nicole, because when I first watched it, I was like, I hate Nicole. Like I really yeah. did. Like I actually felt like, dude, like, you know, Charlie is saying all these things and like, let's not go to court, blah, blah, blah. And then basically like the whole film, I just feel is like her, like basically backstabbing their marriage and all that kind of stuff. And on the rewatch, I can't necessarily, say at all like you you really see both sides of Mm -hmm. the marriage and how each person how each of them in particular like you know how they were together and then how they were as individuals and kind of where their career ended up and all that kind of stuff uh i'm blessed of course to have you know parents that are still married and all that kind of stuff but i know divorce is a you know very big thing in today's society and you know i get that it's hard especially it's having a moment (laughs) but like it's hard like it's definitely you know it's one of those subjects just like death and all that kind of stuff where it's like you know, you might have a friend or someone or even yourself personally that's going through it. And this kind of like, I guess, 
I don't want to say sums it up, but it, it's just such a good story, obviously mm-hmm. marriage story to like tell. And from the beginning when it opens up with the reading of their like scripts and stuff, um, and how they like, Oh, you know, Charlie's, you know, he loves all the things about being a dad that you shouldn't love and like how such like a good father he was. But then it's like, you know, his little kid not understanding in this film, like, you know, why is my dad not here? And, you know, Hollywood in Hollywood with me and, you know, Los Angeles mm-hmm. and how he kind of has that backlash with him and, how much of a good daddy shows in the beginning and how good, a, you know, not a great mom she is, but like still like a really good mom. And she still has her moments, of course, and them using that to pit against each other. And I can go on and on about this film, of course, but just all in all, like, um, especially the fight scene, it's just like the emotional factor behind this movie is for me like to die for. And I couldn't recommend it enough, especially being so easily accessible uh, on Netflix. So yeah, both it- performances, Adam driver, uh, Scarlett Johansson beyond, beyond good for me and uh just very touching film i guess to say Mm -hmm. the least so let's give some credit to alan alda too he's he's great as like the the really like dopey kind of like (laughs) everything's gonna be fine lawyer um but yeah i mean you touched on pretty much all the things that make this movie really powerful and it's it's so well done like it's it's just a well-crafted movie you feel the anger and the passion that they have um towards each other right because you really get that sense that like in order to hate someone like they do you have to love them at least a little bit too and you really feel that in it and there's these moments where it breaks through and there's there's these moments of hope that come through in this movie and we talked about it on that Netflix uh, spectacular episode that we we did, so we don't need to get into just like all the great things about this movie. But I'll just tie it back into this theme that I've seen in movies: is there's a bit of economic uh, tension in this movie too. I mean, it's these are two people who are pretty successful, and they've basically been able to navigate this system relatively painlessly, honestly. And I mean, I know the whole film is kind of torturous for them. But you see it in little brief moments, like when they're outside the courtroom getting ready to go, and you see these other couples that are just screaming and yelling at each other, and they don't have the access to these lawyers and and such that um, Scarlett Johansson's uh, Nicole and and Adam Driver's, what was it, Charlie, Charlie. um, have, right? So, like, you see how the system is built— for the really difficult cases but for them it's really bogging them down and how it's not really built for um it's not really built for everyday people either so i I think for that it sort of fits into this theme of of where movies were going this year but additionally it's just really good i mean it's really emotional like you said so my number six your number two it's on netflix everyone can check it out and uh, that means I'm going to talk about my number two, which is a movie Cody hasn't seen yet, which hardly anybody has seen yet because it only ran for a week in uh, New York and L.A. So I I heard the reviews for this movie. It's uh, it's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I just I had to see it. So I went out to Hollywood to go see it at the one theater it was playing in uh, on a Saturday. And let me tell you, because it did not disappoint. This movie is rapturous. It is so damn good and uh you've seen the the trailers for it i have seen the trailers yeah it's it's basically about this woman that comes to paint uh this wealthy uh 
other woman who is uh, set to be married if the guy likes her portrait. So she's she's already driven away other painters. She won't sit for them, and they bring in this other woman to be her companion for walks, and she's going to paint her from memory. And it's, on one hand, it's sort of just like um, a really good romance between these two women, but on the other hand, it's this commentary on art and how falling in love changes your perspective on things. And I think that's something that's relatable to pretty much everyone. Like when you fall in love with somebody, your views change. Like you you see the world through their eyes and you see the world differently. So you can see it in the art she's putting together. Like she's, it changes and, and it's just, it. I can't express to you without having seen it how beautiful this movie is it is just stunningly gorgeous some of the best cinematography of the year and i'm so excited for you to see it in february for the first time it's uh it's spectacular and so i'll leave it at that for now because so it comes to theaters in february it comes to theaters in wide release i think in okay. february so we'll, we'll go see that um when it comes to the amc in uh in february it comes out valentine's day so one movie that i i gotta say do not miss this movie uh for anyone listening out there portrait of a lady on fire all right all right that leaves we it, got man. one more number one number one movie of the why year. don't you tell me your number one and then i'll tell you my number one on the count of three one, one two, two three, three. Parasite. parasite god damn so good we talked about it at length so uh i'll let i'll let you go ahead and start though yeah so uh just to kind of open up this is another movie that i would not have seen mm-hmm. um had you not said hey we need to go see this film uh, and I guess a big, you know, um, I don't want to say discomfort, but, um, that's a good word I'm looking for. It's, it, I guess sad that it just wasn't advertised. Um, it did pretty good numbers though. Like, yeah. Like every theater it was in, it was, it was pretty, yeah, it seemed to build up hype and you know, we yeah, sat the, next to that one guy. Average he was, was like massive for this yeah. movie, but it just, you know, just to touch on it. It's like, of course, advertisements, finding its way onto Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. It's all the Marvel stuff. It's all the Disney stuff. They have the big bucks to do it. And this film, I guess, unless you're really into films, you're not really, you know. And even me, who now still sees multiple films uh, even a week, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, I'm not into that whole overseas kind of stuff as of yet. And really to hear or know. Yeah, to hear or know about it. So, like, I didn't know it was coming or anything like that. Or I'm sure, like, you know, I'm sure, of course, you did. Um, But just to the general public to not be able to know that that's coming, whether it's through like a preview or whatever, uh, I guess is a big disgrace to now seeing all these films for me and why it sits at number one is it was a foreign film. Again, it was uh, subbed out uh, in terms of what was it? Korean, right? Yeah. It's, it's a Korean film. Yeah. And uh, takes away nothing from the film at all. And again, uh, rounding off the top three, it just, again, a mo- roller coaster of emotion, um, and just feels in general, like from feeling a moment of, you know, you're sad for the family on one end and there's two families there's the parks and the Kims. And at certain moments you're like, wow, you, you know, yeah. Every single character again, like I, you, I liked how you said in like little women, like you can have so many characters and with both families and even the friend and stuff in such a short period, be able to just be immersed to understand and them understand them individually, individually yeah. is just beyond great. And there was suspense in this film and it had it all and I couldn't help but like say this was like it's such a good story 
and so I guess real, like, you know, I guess I will bring up the uh, politics of it all. Yeah. You got me. But like just to see uh, the biggest scene that you said stood out and I would say it probably now stands out for me is just that morning after the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to get into it too much, but like that scene alone, it just shows the economic gap between a wealthy and a poor family. And it really was kind of like one of those factors where it, like it does, even for me, who doesn't really see that stuff, like it hits you. Right. And so like, I will say that about it, but yeah, it's not a subtle film at all. Uh, it's, it's so good, man. Like any other year, Little Women might have been at the top of my list, right? But these these other two movies, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Parasite, are just so good, I couldn't move them down. Like, I wanted so badly to move one of those movies into first. Like, I really would have liked that. But Parasite's just, you, you can't deny how good that movie is. And, and we won't spoil it here because, again, when that comes out on demand in, I think, next month, I think the end of next month, uh, January that is um, people will see it and I think I think this is one of those things that's going to grow into really um, a film that is held in high esteem by a lot of ordinary people that don't go see a lot of movies like I think it's one that could break through on streaming or something like that yeah yeah if it becomes it's going to be available on streaming well I don't know if it's going to oh. be like free on streaming with yeah. any platform but it'll be out on like video on demand in uh, I think it's January 20th I want to say it's um, one of those movies that it's just so meticulously crafted where it just builds and builds up to the to this point of tension and then it just unfolds in, in a really unpredictable way which is awesome uh, but you mentioned that scene with the rain and the politics of it all like it's undeniable right i think we are at a moment where even though the global economy is doing okay like there is a lot of inequality in the world and we see we see that uh, reflected in the films that we got this year you, you, we've gotten a lot of films about it i mean i've talked about it with the last like five movies we talked about but parasite is i think the most direct i don't want to say blunt because i don't think that gives the movie enough credit but it's the most direct in saying, like, it's not that any one person in this story is bad or better than anyone else. It's this system that puts people into these categories of winning and losing that is really at fault here. And Parasite does that as well as, if not better, than any other film. It, it is truly one of the best films of the entire decade. Yeah, and definitely the best film of the year. <laughs> yep, I agree with you on that. So, so if you want to hear more about that, check out our Halloween uh, episode. I think it was episode four. It was of the podcast, and we have a uh, special guest Zach to uh, talk about Parasite with us as well. Zach Attack. So that's it, Cody. That's the top tens. That's our top tens. You feel good about your top ten? I do feel good. No There's more still... tinkering with it after tomorrow. No, I won't. Well, there were still films I'm going to add to it though. True. So who knows? But there, I mean, Portrait there are of films. Lady on Fire, yeah. number one in February. Yeah, because technically there are those films that aren't wide release that we're not. Right. We're not big boys yet. Not we're going to catch up to on go that 1917 and yeah, uh, Just Mercy. Just Mercy. So there are films out there that still you know might crack. Uh, but our letterbox, uh, maybe we'll link that. Yeah, we'll link our, our full lists with yeah. all of the movies. Cody's go check up them to out. 51. I think I'm at 174. Hot so damn! It's a lot of movies. You like triple me, dude. 
Yeah. Well, next year maybe you'll you'll catch up. Yeah, my goal next year I think is seventy five. Okay, setting so the bar. I low. think I could do that. So. All right. But yeah, what can I say, man? Top ten. Your top ten. We get disagreed on some, but yep. for the most part, I think we'll post them in the in the link. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Bye now. Thanks everyone for listening to our top tens episode. It was a lot of fun getting to talk about it was fun. the movies that we really love this year and that meant a lot to us. So hopefully 2020 will bring us another slate of really great movies. Who knows what to expect in 2020, man? Gotta hold out hope. I will. Yeah. There's hope. always hope. Yeah, there is, man. Like at the end <laughs> of I Lost My Body, there's always hope. All right, way to way to throw in your lost I Lost My Body it's movie. It's a great right movie. There. Anyways. Let's talk about a little bit of where they can find us, Evan. Oh, man. Do we want them to find us? Well, not really. Well, maybe where they can listen to us, I guess. That's a, that's a good point. Why don't you tell them uh, about the social medias? Social media, you guys can find us at Spinning the Reel, R-E-E-L, at either Instagram or Twitter. Uh, those are our two forms of pretty much interacting with you guys, and we definitely highly recommend, especially after this Top 10 episode, uh, tweet us and say, hey, you yeah, know, I'm really glad you... Tell us about your favorite movies. Yeah. Why we were wrong, why we were right. Tell you Cody know. why Joker sucks. <laughs> but yeah, just leave your guys' comments. Say, hey, kudos for recommending this. I'm glad I went and saw that. Or maybe there's something that we didn't even mention that you highly recommend and we'll go check it out too. Um, but we definitely want that form of interaction. So uh, either Instagram or Twitter are our two social media platforms that we would appreciate you guys. I'd just be really impressed if someone told me a movie I haven't seen. I would too. With Although what, Obama put 100? out a movie list, and there were three movies on there I hadn't seen. Really? Which is incredible. Yeah. I've seen 174 movies, and there are three on there I haven't seen. Yeah, just for the record, 174 movies this year, guys. This year, yes. So <laughs> anyway, reach out to us. Um, did you mention the letterbox yet? No, go ahead. Re-mention the, the letterbox. letterbox. Uh, we have a new Spinning the Real letterbox. Let's same go. as our other social platforms, at Spinning the R-E-E-L. Uh, what we're doing with that is we're going to keep our lists on there. We'll, we'll copy our top tens onto the letterboxed for the podcast. We rank every movie that we've seen. We have them um, uh, rated based on the star ratings we give on this podcast. So you can check that out. Um, yeah, we it's, collectively. it's a cool platform. It's a good place to uh, see what we're watching. You can follow us individually as well. I'm at Evan D26. And I'm at DJ Rote, R-O-T-E. And yeah, we leave reviews on pretty much every film. I know you, uh, I do at least like right after the movie, I'll leave like my initial impressions so mm-hmm. I don't lose them. Um, so you guys can, you know, hear my thoughts, hear Evan's thoughts. I know he reviews pretty much everything. Yep. We have a blog that's uh, been branded towards STR. So yeah, that's check good. out the blog for a write-up of my top 10 movies. I have a couple hundred words on each of them. So check that out it'll be going up shortly after we post this episode and uh on that note i guess uh i'll see you next year evan see you next year thanks everyone for listening and have a happy new year happy new year